0: We live in a cancel culture where we have different ideas and you had certainly better share the idea of whoever it is that you're talking to. Otherwise, you will be canceled. Friendships have been canceled. Business relationships have been canceled. You better watch out. People hold very strong opinions and don't want you to deviate from their understanding. Truthfully, the Pharisees and the Herodians were not exactly on friendly terms with each other. The Pharisees and the Herodians were, in fact, in some ways, in competition with each other. The Pharisees and the Herodians believed different things, but one thing that they believed was that if they could get Jesus on one of their sides, they could do away with Him For the other side would successfully cancel him. And so the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians come and they say to Jesus, Choose a side. Which one of us are you going to agree with? Now, there are two different philosophies at work here. The Pharisees are a religious sect they're respected by the masses and they have they've come up with this impressive accumulation of interpretive tradition that if you want to be a Pharisee or if you want the Pharisees to like you you had better go along with what they think the Herodians on the other hand are associated with the Sadducees. Now, you remember elsewhere in the gospel, the Pharisees and the Sadducees butted heads on any number of things. The Pharisees believe in angels. The Sadducees say angels are nonsense. The Pharisees believed that God would raise the dead at the end of time. The Sadducees said, well, when you're dead, you're dead, and there's nothing more to come. But there were a specific sect of Sadducees that decided that their allegiance was not going to be to a religious group but their allegiance was going to be to the house of Herod in other words they had chosen a political side they had chosen to uphold the party of King Herod and Herod's descendants and thus they were loyal not just To King Herod, but they were loyal to Rome as well. As you read the New Testament, you know that the Jews were fairly unhappy under the rulership of Rome. They had always enjoyed, not always, from 1000 AD to about 586, I'm sorry, from 1000 B.C. to about 586 B.C., they had enjoyed autonomy. They'd had their own king. They had been a, a force to be reckoned with in history. But at the time of Jesus, they were under the thumb of Rome, and they were under the thumb of Herod, and so... Herodians and Pharisees who didn't get along with each other nonetheless had in Jesus a common enemy and Jesus faces pressure by those who have, who have different agendas to agree with Him, or for, to have Him agree with them. So the issue that presents itself is actually a fairly simple one. Jesus, do you think it's right to pay taxes To Rome or not? Do you think it's right for us to do what our civic leaders tell us to do or not? Now, if Jesus says, go ahead and pay taxes, the Pharisees are going to get all bent out of shape. And the masses follow the Pharisees. And if Jesus says, go ahead and pay taxes, we're just a part of the Roman Empire, the Pharisees may turn public opinion against him. But if Jesus says, don't pay taxes, the Herodians can go in and report Jesus as a traitor. Because you see, the issue was settled in the year 6 AD when a revolutionary named Judas had urged, and he was also from Galilee, Think about all of these folks from Galilee that, that are causing trouble, at least according to the civil authorities. In 6 A.D., this, this man Judas from Galilee had said, stop paying taxes, and it had been determined that the non-payment of taxes was in fact an act of rebellion against the empire and was considered to be revolution in the eyes of the government. So one answer will upset the Pharisees and their followers. The other answer will upset the government, Herod, and his followers. And so the question is, who is it that Jesus is going to disappoint? The masses who don't like the Roman government or those who are aligned with that government who may well see him as a revolutionary. But Jesus isn't an idiot Jesus knows what's up and aware of their malice don't you love it when someone is malicious but you understand that they're malicious don't you love it when someone has an agenda but you can see their agenda as clearly as you can see the nose on their faces he was aware of their malice and he says why are you putting me to the test you hypocrites show me the coin used for the tax the intriguing thing is Jesus doesn't reach down into his pocket and pull out a denarius he doesn't have a denarius the people who are so worried about whether it's right or wrong to deal in denarii they're the ones who can immediately produce this coin, this denarius. So what's the issue? Well, on the denarius, denarius, you can see on, on one side, is an image of the emperor. An image of the emperor and written around the outside is Tiberius Caesar the son of the divine Augustus. Tiberius Caesar is claiming to be the son of God. They have deified the emperor and Augustus is claiming the position of a god and therefore Tiberius is in fact seen by the Roman citizenry as a semi godlike figure. On the other side, this is peace personified. And so every time you used one of these coins, you were reminded that Caesar was divine and that if you enjoyed peace, it was because the Roman Empire had in fact brought peace. The Jews, on the other hand, close up of the one side where where Caesar The the Jews, on the other hand, had this peculiar belief that you shouldn't do certain things. And in the Ten Commandments, we find you shall have no other gods besides me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. And so the coin itself had violated the commandments of God by claiming, number one, that Caesar was Lord, and number two, that peace, understood as shalom, was a gift not from God, but a gift from Caesar. The coin itself implied that Caesar was divine and peace and justice came from him. So Jesus takes this coin. They want to know, should we traffic in this coin or not? Jesus doesn't have one of these coins, but those who are are trying to trap him, they find one very, very quickly and he says to them, whose head is this? And whose title? And they answered, the emperors. And then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperors. And to God the things that are God's. Now, you know, that whole story could have ended with the word emperors. Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's. Got his picture on it. Must be his. I found somebody's wallet the other day in the middle of the road on Main Street. The license was on the outside, it had her picture on it. Must be hers. If you happen to find in an airport one of my bags, it'll have my name on it. It's got my name on it. Must be mine. I'll tell you a story. I I spent six-plus years at Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. There's always some sort of threat against Jewish institutions in the United States. There's always a heightened level of security. And one day, I took my briefcase, And I was going to get into my car, absent-mindedness is not a new thing for me. And so I put down my briefcase so that I could unlock my car, and I drove away. And my briefcase was there in the parking lot at Hebrew Union College. Uh, The bomb squad was called. And later on, I got a call from the dean of students that said, do you know where your briefcase is? (laughs) I said, no. He said, well, the bomb squad has taken a look at it. The good news is they didn't blow it up. But the bad news is they came. They came, and you should not leave your briefcase out in the parking lot again. It could have ended there. Give, therefore, to the emperor the things that are the emperor's. He's answered the question that they asked him. He said, looks like it belongs to him. Go ahead and give it to him. That's the crux that comes next. The crux is the image describes to whom something belongs. The crux is that additional statement that he didn't have to add. Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and give to God the things that are God's. What is it that has God's image? Well, let's start here in Matthew chapter 22 and let's press the rewind button. And we press the rewind button on on a DVD player or Blu-ray. You can press it several times. It goes eight or nine times as fast as as it would. And you can get all the way back to the beginning and we can find. So God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. In all the world, there is one thing that bears the image of God. Oh, God is creative beyond imagination. You can look at the armadillo or the aardvark. You can watch stingrays swimming in the ocean you can see flocks of birds flying south for the winter God is just extraordinarily creative but in all of creation in all of the varied wonder that we see around us only one part is described as being created in the image of God and that is you and that is me we are created in the image of God and in you I see strength which reminds me of God's strength in you I see creativity which reminds me of God's creativity in you I see a pursuit of justice and righteousness which reminds me that God is just and righteous in you I see a love for others that gives of itself, which reminds me that God's love for others gives of Himself. There's an interesting thing about the emperor's statue. So you can go in museums around the world and you can find statues of these emperors. These Roman emperors, because there were so many of them made, there was practically this factory that's producing them, it seems, by how many of them are made. And that's because in every Roman colony, in every Roman settlement, there was a picture, not just a picture, but a statue of the image of the emperor. And that way, every time you went to buy or sell something, you had to pass by this statue of the emperor. And if you were thinking to yourself, we're going to rebel against Rome, you probably had to make plans right there in front of the statue of the emperor. Wherever you went, you knew that Caesar was in charge because his image was there. Dear Christians, if you and I bear the image of God when we leave this church this morning, wherever we go and whatever we do, we bear witness to the fact that God is sovereign over the world. We bear witness to the fact that God so loved the world that He sent His Son who sends His people into the world. If we are made in the image of God, and if we are to give to God what belongs to God, we give our emotions, we give our intellect, we give our spiritual devotions, we give our bodies to God. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Jesus could have stopped there. But give to God what belongs to God. It's you, it's all of you, it's your thought life, your recreational life, it's your resources, the people you spend your time with, You are made in the Creator's image and we belong fully and totally and completely to the Lord our Maker. And we represent a reminder to the world that God is good. And that this good God governs creation with justice and righteousness and grace and power and creativity. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. You belong to God, dear one. God has bought you at a price. God has given himself for you. God offers himself to you. You belong to God. And in some way, as we leave this place wherever it is we go we are little statues reminding all of creation that God is good and God is sovereign and God controls this universe of which we are part we are those little statues that remind all of creation from the birds and the trees To those that we interact with, that there is a God in heaven to whom we must give account and whom we serve because we are in His image. We are in some way like Him. And by His grace, as we grow in holiness, our image becomes more closely aligned with the image of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to sing a hymn. It's a hymn that reminds us that God calls us to surrender all of ourselves. Our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength, our attention spans, our thought life, God intends for us to surrender it to Him as we give to God what belongs to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.